Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast where writers sit around drinking tasty beverages to talk about writing, publishing, and the whole creative process. There will be rants and raves and opinions that may not agree, but are lovingly delivered. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. Your pro fan base today includes John Schmidt and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode 191, interview with Morgan Hazelwood. Good morning, Morgan. Good morning. How are you? Oh, I am clearly in need of three or four cups of coffee, so talking with you is just the sort of thing for this fine, crisp November morning. Oh, it definitely got chilly out here. I'm in Virginia, and we had 80 degrees last weekend, and now it is in the 50s. Winter is coming. Do we? When do we give up? Do we have to give up our pumpkin spice in favor of mint? And no. I, or can we just have both, but not together? Both, both. Pumpkin pie spices are traditional all season long. I think so, too. I Plus, you know, they will go in curry. <laughs> that? I haven't tried. I should. Well, you are a writer and a fellow podcaster, and you are a traveler to many different cons. And I love a lot of the words that you have to say just on the topic of writing, hence inviting you today. You, What are you doing for this National Novel Writing Month? You are I out on your blog. I see that you've clearly done it for many years. I want to stop and say feelings. How do you feel about NaNoWriMo? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you love and hate it? I believe I love and hate it. I do most of my drafting uh initial rough drafts during NaNoWriMo, and I find it really helpful for getting the words out, but it burns me out. I can't do any writing in December. I'm not a writer in December. 11 months of the year, yes, but not December, because NaNoWriMo just takes it all out of me. Our, our Ellen Clages mentioned in another interview that she really, really loves editing, and our expression was, what is wrong with you? <laughs> editing is what you do when you're exhausted and tired. And maybe that's why I don't edit as well as Ellen does, but still. <laughs> I, I definitely have days that I enjoy the editing process. Usually when I realize why everything in the story had to happen the way it did. And I put in this one little tidbit and it all flows perfectly. And I like making the sentences and the paragraphs and everything flow nicely. But I think my favorite stage of writing regarding editing versus revision versus writing, the drafting, the initial words, is whatever stage I'm not in the middle of. <laughs> Understandable. I mean, jo John has frequently told us about Inktober, which is for the artists. We just finished Inktober where there was a new prompt. And is it a new prompt today, John? It's a new prompt every day, and it's it's for all kinds of artists, but it, it came from a, a drawing handbook, and there's some contention over that. Uh, I use it to spur small poems just to get writing sometimes. But I have I to ask, did, Sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead, please. I was going to say that I did Octorimo for several years myself. Octorimo? I, I don't even know about this. What's Octorimo? Tell us more. October Poem Writing Month, where we take the Inktober prompts and turn it into poetry. And different people give themselves challenges of different 
formats of poetry between sonnets and haikus and what have you. Oh my God, John, you're an octoporimo guy and you never even knew it. it and and uh, once again, Cthulhu influences our lives without us knowing it. I do have a set of friends who are now doing, oh man, I can't even string it together, November Tonka month. Although one of them for one year decided to write all of his Tonka about toy trucks. So yes, he had a, um, yes, I'm not even going to say it. But I want to ask a quick process question condensed into one stupid statement. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Wait, I, wait, sorry. before you answer that, I want to say, John, now remember, we decided to call it organic gardener versus planner. But it's not as, not as, not as, you know, quippy. quippy. Thank you. Fair enough. Pantser or plotter, Morgan? I am a planter. Planter. That's you grow beautiful. your plots organically? I do. I do. I have an outline, so I have a direction to go in. I like to use the beat sheets. Um, I usually steal them from Jamie Gold's uh, workshop or worksheets for writers website. And then I promptly ignore it unless I get stuck. I like but it. The- <laughs> you you also I, did a thing called the snowflake method that you talked about in another thing. And I was going to say, Rachel Aaron wrote a whole book about how to go from two to 10,000 words by outlining. So there's, it's there's not, oh yeah, it's not my method, but the people I know who do intense outlining, very, very many of them do the snowflake method. So I wanted to let my readers viewers know that it was an option but it's it's not for me because you know with writing you do what works for you what do you subscribe to in terms of the what do you think every chapter needs i mean presumably in all of this nanorimo we're basically almost writing at least half a chapter a day that's a lot it definitely is i i believe that every chapter needs to do a few things. Um, There's world building, character, emotional development, and plot. And every scene needs to do at least two out of the three. Otherwise, you need to either cut it or build it up more in revisions. Um, And if it does all three, then you have an amazing scene. I always remember the authors, there's some that do just such amazing things with scenes and paint pictures with words. And yet I don't remember the book. So I would say sometimes I think there can be overbalancing, but that didn't mean I didn't really enjoy reading it. I suppose that's the joy of there being so many different genres and books and writers is there's a book for any occasion, really. And out there, I would suppose the people that are writing should know that there's somebody who needs your story, right? They need whatever it is that you are writing to take them away from whatever crap is going on in their life to go somewhere else for a while. It's important. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And uh, you also had a, I loved your discussion that you did with the world about rejection, which anybody who wants to go try to query and get an agent and get represented and be on one of the Banes or Tours or Penguins of the world, or I don't even know who's all out there right now. But 
there's a lot of rejection involved in writing and there's a certain how do you get yourself through it since us writers are somewhat delicate flowers in that way right I like to bribe myself with a lot of chocolate um but milk or dark dark chocolate oh, no more than one. about 85 percent uh that's probably where I max out 60 to 70 percent dark is usually the sweet spot though literally mm, I respect that very much thank you um but with with rejection I think at this point I have so many rejections that sadly I've come to expect it and so I'm just playing the numbers game trying to see can I reach you know 50 queries by the end of the year because I can't control what the agents do I mean I can tweak my opening pages I can tweak my query letter but I can't make them say yes and so what I can control though is how many query letters I send out and so I think I need to send out three new ones because I'm trying to keep pen in the air right now for my previous project. I wonder that I've never thought to consider, I, I when people are doing job hunting, I say, you realize that job hunting is really just internet dating at the start. You're you're trying to find somebody that, that you like and that you're interested in and then see if they might be interested in you. And that's very much what querying is too, because we're just like me, like me, like me. And yet at the same time, there's a lot of people that do not have the same opinions and feelings and emotional reactions to work that I do. So you really are looking for the people that have that that find the reactions that they need in your books. And there's there's thousands of people to query. Let's be honest. So it, it doesn't sound sad that to me that you're resigned to the, the fact that it's a numbers game. It yeah. sounds like a good reason to eat chocolate and be successful. Absolutely. There's there's definitely some some bit of that, but I I have to admit that looking small press or indie is starting to look more appealing. I've been, you know, at this writing game for for 10 years and I've got one short story out there and five drafted six drafted manuscripts, five and a half. Um and so I want my words to be out there and I want people to read them and love them and share them with their friends. And maybe it's time to put them out there myself. Traditional publishing, while, you know, that external validation would be beautiful and amazing, is is definitely a niche market. And there's been a lot of turmoil in the last couple of years. I know that I was sending out a YA fantasy before the pandemic, and I got several full requests, uh, an R&R, which is a revise and resubmit. Nice. And, nice. and I revised that manuscript um, with the help of a mentor, and we finished during the pandemic. And since then, I've gotten nothing but form rejections, and I know the story is stronger. So is that saying that a lot of people wrote during the pandemic and the market is flooded. Is it saying that um, they're being pickier? I don't know. I don't know. So it's, is it, it just say, feels, is it feels harder. It, well, it, it, 
you're not wrong in that there's been changes and there's even more changes uh, as all the excited tech people wave the bomb bombs and say ai 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 well um generative pretext has flooded the market we all remember that clark's world had to close for submissions for a while because they went from hundreds to thousands of submissions and more than they could handle and finding out how many of them i I, I work in tech with generative pretext documents, and I can tell you that some of them are just stunningly dull, boring, and bad. And so, but it still wastes my time to have to read something that's stunningly boring and, and then either fix it because it's been given to me as, oh, this is marketing copy for SEO. We have to make it real, Jeannie. Like, must I? But that's my heavy sigh. In any case, um, heavy sigh because there's more disruption from that it, you it it would be fascinating to know what is happening but there's so many factors yeah there's also well let's think about this morgan if you look at you you have ya fiction you almost then have to look around for the indie publishers and say who's handling other authors like me right who's 100 successfully handling other authors like me this is why it's still so important to keep reading, right? You have to read other people's work so you can say, I want to be like them. Like, hey, who published Chris Bielman, The Black Tongue Thief? Because that was witty and fun and snarky. And I like to think of myself as witty and fun and snarky. Maybe they should like me. Uh, I think my stuff is sweeter than witty, but I'd like <laughs> to be witty. Well, sweet is important, too. There's people that need sweet escapism. I love that there was a new genre of cozy fantasy came out recently. Did you ever read Legends, Legends and Lattes was the first I ever read in that new genre? I haven't read Legends and Lattes, but it is on my to-read pile. But I think that genre has been around for a while. I think it's just being recognized as its own distinct form. Oh, I, do you think, uh, where do you think it started? I, I think, hey, it's always been around, but I read web comics and I know that the Tea Dragon Society was a gorgeous um, book slash graphic novel that, you know, had several copies come out pre-pandemic and all that. And I mean, there's just always been that, that sweet fantasy. It's just being separated out. And I think that I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. No, no. This is the where, where we think the uh, fantasy is gone. I mean, originally we had in the 70s, we had the Robert Howard Bain writers of sword and sorcery and slicing and blood flowing. And I, I like the Tea Dragon Society. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was adorable. I went to a panel actually on cozy fantasy and one of the... Uh, authors on the panel mentioned Dealing with Dragons by Tamara Pierce. And definitely, definitely that I would call cozy fantasy. And that's been around since the late 80s, early 90s. And so it's, it's been there. It's been there. And lower stakes, but it zooms in on making fantasy deal with problems that we might deal with in our day to day, not the world is ending and we must save everything from the evil empire. 
No, sometimes you just want to make sure that the bakery stays open and your friends have a place to hang out. I, I read The Dragon with a Chocolate Heart um, oh. in that very general way. I think oh, I'm trying to remember. Don't shoot me. Stephanie Burgess. I'll look it up. I'll make sure it's right. But it was the it was the same general idea. It was a slightly resentful young female dragon that any slightly resentful young female may have in her life of wanting to escape the family cave and see what's out there. And, you know, I shall capture a human. Oh, now I'm human. And then she apprentices herself in a chocolate house. And that's all I'm going to say. But it's super cute, people. <laughs> I I like the thought Stephanie that not Burgess. everything. Oh, okay. thank you, John. And it's there's a whole series, apparently. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, I there, there is a point for that. And I, I much like Hope Punk and some of the other... I think we've gone through the bleak nihilistic phase, and if the world is turning bleak and nihilistic again, maybe we need hope in something uplifting. Maybe YA can save us. I don't know. Or romance. I, I think um, another place that you can find cozy fantasy is fan fiction. I think it's been super popular there, and now that indie publishing has gotten so big that people are just publishing their cozy you know, fanfic stories or original fiction that the traditional market is going, oh, hey, there is a market for it when it's always been there. It's just maybe not yeah. what they've been publishing. Yeah, that's the, there is work to be had on the part of every marketing team in the world to know their audience. And because I work in tech marketing, I can tell you there is also an incredible amount of arrogance that assumes things like, I consistently have to go back to my own team and stop saying, all right, all in your, as you're even writing up what you're going to build in this tech world, stop saying he, start using they. Well, I, I got pushback that that might be political, you know, too politically correct, didn't I think? I'm like, if you don't know if it's going to be a male or a female, then they is correct. Because even if you don't, if you are that old-fashioned that it has to be one or the other but you don't know you say them and they or had one, to allow that I had a point <laughs> one may open the book the user may keep it third person omniscient you know sure <laughs> but these are all these are all about knowing the industry and part of that knowing the industry is I think what they have to build into writing of saying you're writing YA, so you didn't get to swear as much as I like to. On the other hand, maybe you should. Maybe you'll be the first YA to admit that kids swear a lot. I have actually written completely all across the fantasy spectrum. While the first story I was querying was YA, what I'm written right now is what I'd like to call a cozy space fantasy. Cozy space um, fantasy. Oh, tell us more. But humans sailing the aether stream between solar systems and sentient uh, do not call us octopus people um, and nautiloid ships pulled by space manta rays. And um, it's kind of a Baba Yaga retelling in there, but it's mostly about a marooned waitress who wants to sail the stars like her father before her and uh, just trying to get off planet. That sounds and freaking awesome. I I read read it. It. 
So that's what I'm sending out right now. So, hey, if you're an agent listening, talk to me. Well, you also had a list that I liked of just the tools of writing. And this is a reminder that we have for everybody that, you know, sometimes just staring at a blank page and pen, like Chaz loves to talk about how he had notebooks and then typewriters. And like, there are tools now that can make it easier to enter. 100%. You know, there's, you even brought up project management tools, which I thought was Okay, there are OCD writers. We must remember this, Jeannie. Okay. But there's cover creation. There's jot, there's uh, tr TV tropes. I love the tropes pages of picking up. What's your mix? What do you want to write about? And NaNoWriMo had um, a couple tools. Have you used any of theirs? I, I have dabbled with them a couple times. Uh, I think the biggest thing I got from NaNoWriMo before they retooled their website was writing sprints. I believe 90% of my last five NaNoWriMo's have been written using writing sprints because I, I am ADHD. I, I wouldn't say I'm OCD. I would say I'm OC, but... Um, oh, you're type three over-focused ADD. That's beautiful. I, I do like to over-organize before NaNoWriMo so then I can host and not completely end up in squalor by the end of the month. Um, so I'm the type of person who might procrastinate. I like it. I like so, it. There's so yeah, that it offers, though, in the fellowship of the pen, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, especially right now, you know, we are still dealing with isolation. We're still dealing with yet another rise of COVID numbers. And there's a lot of people that still aren't comfortable going down and writing in our favorite coffee shops. And at least we can say that NaNoWriMo offers them an opportunity to write in the company of others. Like you even mentioned that you'd used a Discord server. How does that go for you? I I find it quite simple. Um, there is a Sprinto bot which you type slash sprints and it does a 15 minute sprint and anybody can join and say how many words they're doing. And while some people are competitive and like to try and get first place and write more words than anybody else, um, I like to compete with myself in that I know I usually, you know, 20 minute sprints can get between 300 and 500 words. And sometimes I do seven words and sometimes I once or twice I've done 700 words. And that way I'm like, oh, the words are really flowing today or, okay, I got to buckle down. And sometimes you just have to really embrace what works for you. I want to, I want to want to eat healthy and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I have come to realize that when the words are not flowing, I am a snack-fueled writer. As soon as I start snacking, the words start coming if they've been blocked. And so sometimes you just got to figure out what works for you and lean into your process and be open to the fact that what used to work might not work anymore. So, you know, if the orange dark chocolate truffles aren't working anymore, maybe it's time to move on to, you know, barbecue prangles. I'm really trying to let seaweed squares work for me. They have a lot less calories and I have a problem. <laughs> so. mm, crunchy. Have salty. you tried 
Have you tried popcorners? They're shaped like chips, but they're made out of popcorn and they have like the kettle corn ones and the white cheddar ones. And they're super low because they're like, you know, like rice cakes only in chip form. Exactly. And uh, it's between that and the, I have to admit, I spent, I spent two years. This is my confession to the world. <laughs> I didn't write anything. I, oh. I, at the beginning I wrote, I had two short stories and I've had very good luck selling short stories, but they were so dark and nihilistic that I'm like, I don't think the world needs this. And it's the only time in my life I've ever erased a whole story. Oh. Just, and because it was like, ah, Jeannie, what is going on in your brain is way, way too dark for the rest of the world. And it could be out there. And it was sort of like the, could it, should it? And then this is, I started saying, am I being honest here? Because really this is the, maybe I've just exercised this part of my brain and I have gotten it out and I feel better now. So I can still move on. <laughs> but I'm nodding on my side. Sorry, you can't see that. Yeah, no, it's, but it's, it's something, sometimes you write things because you need to write them. And sometimes you write them for somebody. And sometimes you're just writing for yourself. And all of these are good. And all of it is okay. I think, though, if you wrote something to get it out, that there were probably other people who have been in similar situations that it might have been powerful for them even if you weren't comfortable sharing it now maybe sharing it later so i i'm mourning those words that what's, you've... A, what's a life without a few regrets here and there <laughs> but you know my my creativity needs to be followed in the immortal words of jack london with a club and beat into submission so <laughs> part of it is just waiting until you know, hopeful, hopeful stories start coming up. I need a little bit of hope. I, I am one of those people that does not actually enjoy like watching a television series where everybody's a bad guy. It's why I couldn't really watch Weeds after a while. And I couldn't really watch the, uh, John, help me out here. Who's that? The science teacher who brews meth. Breaking Bad. Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Yeah. I, I couldn't because I'm like, there's nobody that I want to cheer for. I need something to cheer for, even if that person is flawed, even if that person is broken. But the minute you have your hero stiff their weight person, I'm like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> There's a hundred percent. I I think you and I have very similar tastes. I cannot watch a train wreck. Um, I can read it. Like I've, I've read Game of Thrones, but I couldn't watch it because just watching decent people forced to choose between bad options and worse options. And it was just so depressing. And I read so much faster than the TV series uh, would flow. So. Um, oh, hear I, me out. Hear me out here. Then the yeah. entire DC, when they started dealing with Batman and Superman, I mean, there's people that don't like it. The thing that I actually loved about that is something you just said. The point that DC does is to make, there are really good, really powerful people that can be made to do truly horrific things. And there are people that are basically crappy human beings that may be working for good in the long run, a greater good. And life is ugly, messy, and complicated. And I think that's what people didn't really want to look at. 
They wanted Marvel heroism without having to look him saying that Captain Marvel could destroy the planet. She is one very, very powerful woman. Um, and we don't want to see the scenario in which she would say, okay, Galactus, go ahead and swallow the earth. Because that's not what we want in our idea of what heroism is. What do you think? Crazy? I think <laughs> I think that, you know, some people do want those stories, but we we want to see people rise above. We want to see people. Yeah. And we want to see people we like get good things and be rewarded. It's it's hard when we see people we don't like being rewarded. Yeah. It is, you know, why, why do the, you know, good where evil brings profit and virtue, none at all was one of the complaints from Man of La Mancha. And it was a real thing to say, wait a second, but our entire country, when we look at it, was built by a set of robber barons that were not necessarily very good people and were really crappy to their fellow men and yet did great things. Terrible, yes, but great and that's that's complicated and it requires a certain sophistication of understanding to say bad can do good good can do bad and i like complicated heroes and complicated villains in my stories for the same reasons one of the memes i ran across that really stuck with me for character building is the concept that tragic heroes are put in situations where their greatest virtue is a vice so with like othello and hamlet othello it was we just pulled off and went our separate ways and that's an important process too not everybody's going to be your target audience and that's okay absolutely i found a, a hockey gal that was she was a thriller reader. So when I wrote some thriller manuscripts, I could send it to Brenda and like, you are my target reader. Would you read this? And she says, yes. Also, you're terrifying. I'm like, oh, good. Perfect. <laughs> That's what we need. All right. So what advice, closing out here, would you give a new writer for NaNoWriMo, maybe who's starting it? Can, can somebody start NaNoWriMo even if it's already opening? 100%. Um, there are definitely people who start late and some people are able to make up the words, but I consider anyone a winner who finishes the month with more words than they would have had otherwise, because it's just, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get that many words in. It's hard to start something new. And I being a rebel is just as traditional as being a traditional NaNoWriMo uh, participant in that people who spend the month editing or writing poems or writing nonfiction or um, finishing something they already were working on rather than starting something fresh on page zero on day one at midnight. Um, some people can do 10,000 words on the weekends. I know I'm not one of them. I have done over 3,000 words maybe in a single day, maybe five times in my life. So <laughs> I don't get to go to bed until I've got my 1,667 words for that day. And that's the only way I can finish is because otherwise, once I start making excuses, I 
can make excuses all month long. While that, if one, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say that is a wise, wise truth. Excuses are more addictive than rationalizations. While I've won, quote unquote, NaNoWriMo 10 times, nine times, this will be my 10th. Um, I have lost all but one, maybe two Camp Nanos because I found out that I have a minimum momentum. Um, so if if I don't have to work on it every day, I won't. And then I'll have reasons every day for why I can't work on it. And so... Um, What's a Camp Nano? Camp Nano is in April and uh, July, probably July for the school teachers. And it's where you set your own goal. I dig it. I had never so, heard of it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's on the, they used to have a separate website, but I think it's now uh, integrated into the NaNoWriMo website now. There's a, there's a lot of work that goes into the whole NaNoWriMo industry. So out there, I also wanted to just put a sheer plug for them that if they've ever asked you for a buck on coffee or something, go ahead and throw a dollar that way because there are thousands of volunteers that spend thousands of hours just trying to let you know you're not alone. I love that Mary Robinette was one of the first authors to say, just go online, sit on a Discord server with, with famous people and who have been successful at writing and feel like you are one of them. Because if you're out there listening and you're writing things, you're one of them. You're one of us. So we want you to succeed. We will put links to the fascinating things we discussed during this episode on our website, which is www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Although I have to admit, I didn't actually drink any coffee. Um, we will forgive you. We also say at the beginning, tasty beverages. So <laughs> some people think water is tasty beverage and you're amazing. And I don't know how you do it without coffee. <laughs> but thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Mostly I sleep until 10. That can do it. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web magic is cast by Deirdre Schween, and our sound engineers and backup web spiders are David Welsh and John Schmidt. Our intro and exit music is performed by Michael Engberg. Michael Engberg records on manyhatsmusic.com. Our podcast sponsors are Jackal Designs, The Bean Scene, Arm Street, with a great huge homage to wherever it is you like to write, because that's our favorite place, too. And hey, thanks for listening.